Praise the Lord. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This message is from the Glory Life City Church, where a man of God, the Apostle Francis, reveals the deep heart of God for the new creation in Christ. Glory Life City Church is a mandate from God to dispense the glory of heaven in the new creation in Christ cultivating the apostolic heart of God in the intimate bond of fellowship, love, and power. Join in as the Apostle Francis takes us into the Word of God. See, one beautiful thing with the Word of God is that the Word of God is the principal raw material for the transformation of mankind for the transformation of the earth for the transformation of every situation that you find yourself in are you here with me yes the word of god is the principal raw material aside every other thing the word of god is the fundamental requirement for all around transformation anytime transformation is desired the word of god becomes the primary point of reference for that transformation is somebody here with me and one of the desires of god for this end time is the prosperity of the church say the prosperity of the church and the devil is very much aware and as a result of that he has also launched a global attack against the sea The plan of the devil is to keep the church in perpetual poverty. And don't forget, when we talk about the church, we are not talking about the organization. We are talking about the people. Because you and I make up the body of Christ. Hallelujah. So the prosperity of the church actually translates into the prosperity of the believer or the prosperity of the Christian. Amen. But just like every other thing that God designs or God ordains to happen, the word of God is the basic, primary, fundamental point of reference for what God has desired to come to pass. Are you here with me? Hallelujah. So the word of prosperity or let's call it the good news of prosperity. Hallelujah. Or the gospel of prosperity is not to excite you to know just know what God wants to do and just enjoy it. No. The gospel of prosperity is to teach you the ways of God which will bring to pass the acts of the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you here with me? 
Because for us to become what God has said, we must understand how God intends to do it. So that when we begin to align, then we are making room for what God has said to come to pass. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So, these things that God has been teaching us over the months, now I will say over the months, hallelujah, they are not to be taken for granted. It is not just for your notes. Amen. Anytime a word comes, especially on an altar like this, you should understand that we do not preach as though we are looking for what's, what's next to talk about. Hallelujah. When we come with a word from the Lord, it is an indication that God is up to something. It is an indication that God wants to accomplish something. So that word, you know, the Bible said in Revelation that the word of the Lord, it is the spirit of words, prophecy. Because by, by virtue of that word coming to a people, it comes to establish the truth that God is preparing them for something ahead of them. Hallelujah. So instead of waiting to hear that saying the Lord, look at or listen to what God is saying in a particular season in order to understand what God has in mind to do. For your life. Hallelujah. That's why I know that somebody is about to step into a season of prosperity. Hallelujah. I said somebody is about to step into a season of prosperity. Prosperity is the desire of God for his people. The Bible says that he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. God is not happy to see you poor. Hallelujah. Your poverty does not glorify God in any way. Amen. Some people say, oh, you know, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Amen. Thank God he didn't say poor in the flesh. But poor in spirit. Hallelujah. Your prosperity does not bring any glory to God. That you are begging. That you cannot do or fulfill or go about what God has placed on your heart because of things you lack. It's not a glory to God. Tell somebody your poverty is not a glory to God. Yeah. So... If there is anything to desire, you must desire to be rich. You must desire to be prosperous. Because that is what God also desires for you. He says, I wish above all things that thou mayest what? Prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. Hallelujah. So today we are talking about the gold, the silver and the land Part 19, and I am talking about the administration of grace. This is the third part of the administration of grace. And today I'm going to end the administration of grace so that from next week, I will start 
the beginning of the end. Eh? That, so next week from 20, part 20, we know that we are about to end. Hallelujah. Finally. Amen. Praise the Lord. And in talking about the administration of grace, just to do a quick recap, we've talked about how that the economy of Zion runs on two treasuries, which is the treasuries of heaven and then the treasuries of the earth. How many of us remember that? Just doing a two minutes quick recap. And the treasury of heaven is resourced by grace. That is the raw material or the resource in the treasury of heaven. So in your treasury in the heavens, when we go into your heavenly accounts, we don't see houses. We don't see cars. We don't see a million dollars. We see grace in various measures and dimensions. I I hope you understand that. Yeah. So in your treasury in heaven, when we open your account, we might see grace for building. But we will not see the building, but grace for building. We will not see money, maybe a million dollars, but we will see grace for a million dollars. Hallelujah. So that means that one of the ways, I said it over here, one of the ways to pool what is resident or what is available in your heavenly account into the earthly account where we see the tangibles is the principle of seed time and harvest which we understood is an earthly principle that governs our treasury on the earth hallelujah so seed time and harvest doesn't release grace into your heavenly account. Hallelujah. But rather, it is a principle by which you convert what is already existing in your heavenly account into an earthly material resource. So when you sow seed, and there is nothing available in your heavenly account, you remember the multiplication, it becomes that seed times zero, and it comes down to what? Zero. You cannot convert what does not exist. Hallelujah. Amen. It is like a mobile money wallet. Amen. Sometimes you want to withdraw. You go to the ATM, you want to withdraw, and they will tell you insufficient what? Insufficient balance. You get the point? Uh-huh. But when there is a resource in your account, hallelujah, you are able to withdraw from anywhere at any time as long as you have what it takes to withdraw. That means that you can have money in your account, but without your ATM, or if you have your ATM and you don't have your PIN code, 
Or if you have your ATM and the pin code and you cannot get the ATM machine, you know, these are factors for the conversion of the resources you do not see with your eyes. You see how it works in the physical? Yeah? So there is the heavenly account or the heavenly treasury and there is the earthly treasury. In between the two, we must master the art of converting what God has made available in grace into material tangibles in the physical. And that is why the word of prosperity is not just an encouragement. It, it is a set of instructions by which a man or a woman will order his way into the ordained prosperity that God has for him. I can know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. And we said that sitting at the top of the system of grace is the saint's man the man of grace, the agency of grace, the one that God has set over you. Hallelujah. He is the administrator of the grace of God, the dispenser of the grace over your life. So that by, by the functionality of that man, grace will abound to you. Hallelujah. And we said over here, the reason why I'm recapping is because I'm just going to end. So what I'm going to teach you is just in line. I want to do it in a way that you will easily remember what we have taught. So I'm putting the last two, the part one and part two of administration of grace, and I am adding it to the part three and make it one single thing for you. I hope you find. All right. So we said that this man, to engage grace on your behalf, he comes with how many things? Three things. The first one is what? The sent word. He has the sent word. Number two is what? Come again. Come again. All right. So let's. So he also comes with an assignment. And then number three, he also comes with the blessing. These three things. Hallelujah. So these three things are on the parts of the man. In ministering grace to you, he gives you the sent word, he gives you the assignment, and then he also gives you the blessing. These three. Hallelujah. And then last week we talked about on the part of the recipient, the son or the daughter, how do you also engage yourself to receive these three? We said number one, according to the sent word, you must come with open Heart. Is that not so? Affection. Open hearts. You must have love for the man so that you can receive what he carries. You can receive what he says. You remember that? And then, with the commanded blessing, we said that you should do what? Connected to the head. When you are connected to the head, then you will be able to receive the commanded blessing. You see how it works? 
And then with the kingdom assignment, we said, you should be what? You should be giving to the man as you are giving to the law. The place of devotion. How many of us remember? You see, so if you go, go over your notes, you realize that everything is just linked. I can preach all the 19 sermons in 30 minutes for you. Put everything together like that. Brah. And you know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, there is a particular uh, thing you used to play with. You can collapse them, I mean, bring them together, and you just hold one tape. As soon as you pull it, everything will come down like that. You know, so that is, we are not doing the series just because we have so many things to teach you. No. It is because we want to build a consistent and a systematic way of thinking. And then a consistent and a systematic line of instructions. So that you will be able, as you are obeying and practicing, you will be able to measure your progress with God. Very important. Hallelujah. You'll be able to do what? Measure your progress with God. So today, in talking about the administration of grace, part three. So now we have established the place of what the saint man carries and what you should also do in receiving. Now you want to talk about the proof of sonship. So that when you are set under a father in the Lord, a man of grace, what is the proof that you are eligible to receive grace? Proof of sonship actually means that prove that you are eligible for grace. You are what? Eligible. It's something that when you are filling forms, uh, admi- uh, what do you call it? Is it? Admission and those kind of stuff. They'll give you eligibility criteria. Criteria by which you qualify. Hallelujah. So what proves that you are a son or you are a daughter and as a result of that, you are eligible to receive grace. And we are still on those three things. We are not deviating from them. We are still on those three things. The sent word, the assignment, the blessing. The sent word, the kingdom assignment, and then the commanded blessing. The father in the Lord comes to you with a sent word. The same person is empowered by God to assign you to something in the household of God. And then the same is also empowered to command blessing over your life. I told you there is the blessing we beseech. There is the beseeching blessing. And there is the commanded what? Blessing. There's a blessing we just pray that. Some of you when we are praying for you, we just pray that God find something to do about this case. There are some people we command the attention of God over them. I'll show you one of them in the Bible. Hallelujah. So, proofs of sonship. How do you prove your position and standing as a son or a daughter? Like I've told you, you, you have not yet qualified to engage seed time and harvest when you have not perfected your place in fatherhood. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you here with me? If you have not yet perfected your place as a son or a daughter, 
what you give does not command any conversion. Why? Because until there is a grace deposit in your spiritual account, there cannot be a material conversion in your physical account. Is somebody here with me? Say with me, until there is a grace deposit. Oh, say it again. Until there is a grace deposit, there cannot be a material conversion. Hallelujah. Don't forget this thing. Until there is a grace deposit, eh? You can't say, say, yemfa adum ento Eh? The, the second part, you can convert that one to three. Hallelujah. You cannot convert materially. You can say that one yourself. One of the days, we have to get an interpreter. <laughs> Hallelujah. Until there is a grace deposit in your heavenly account, there cannot be a material conversion in your physical earthly account. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's one of the reasons why I remember very well when we were doing apostolic community and then glory life has not started yet. People were bothering me. You know, Papa, we want to pay tight. I said, no. I, I, nobody, I was not receiving anything from anybody because it, was, it is not about the money. It's, if you understand the word of God, you will realize that it is not about the money. Hallelujah. Because I knew that for their seeding to become relevant, there should be certain fundamental structures in place. Other than that, we will end up robbing the people of what God has promised them in his word and they will direct their frustration unto God. Hallelujah. That is why I'm taking my time to show you how it works. Because in God, do you think God, God is not a taskmaster to receive your seed offering and then nothing else will come to you? Hallelujah. Are you here with me? God desires that whatever you sow, you will what? Reap. So when there is a sowing and there is no reaping, you should know that there is a problem somewhere. And the problem, scripturally, is that the reason why people sow and do not reap is because they sow outside of the wineskin of father-son relationship. They sow outside of the dynamics of household in God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The reason why, see, the issue of reaping is, has nothing to do with the sowing. Are you, are you listening to me? Sowing is one singular act. But reaping is a process. For reaping to happen, there should be cultivation. There should be various factors happening. And those factors will never happen in a land that is strange to you. Are you getting my point? Uh, imagine, imagine you go and sow, uh, uh, let's say, Felicia. You have tomatoes, tomato seeds. And 
maybe you were passing by somewhere, Tema community, something, and then you put the seed there. You can put the seed anywhere, but the question is for you to get that tomato back. That means every morning you will have to go to Tema community for to put water. You will have to set somebody there to inform you when there are weeds and things so that you will leave. But you see, when you do that in your own house, not only have you sown, but you have control over the resources that will bring your reap. I, I hope you are getting it. That is why God has set the principle of seed time and harvest to work within the confines of your spiritual household under the administration of a set man hallelujah so as a son or as a daughter the bible said in malachi chapter 1 verse 6 so i'm now at the introduction of my notes amen yeah i wanted to do a recap some of you have not given me the confidence that what I teach you, you will always remember. So you see, I had to spend about 20 minutes doing recap. I'm sure if I, if I were to ask, people, oh, Papa, oh, Papa, oh, Papa. Benji? <laughs> Hallelujah. It says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Say the Lord of hosts unto you, O priest that despise my name. And he said, Wherein have ye despised thy name? So God says that you despise my name. And the reason or what makes you despise my name is that you call me father, yet you do not honor me. You call me master, yet you do not fear me. That means that what is required of fathers is that fathers must be honored. What is required for masters is that masters must be feared. So God says that you despise my name. You take my name for granted. Because you call me father, but you don't treat me as such. God said... If I am a father, then you should do what? You should honor me. So to, to relate to fathers, we must learn the code of honor. Honor is a spiritual principle by which we connect to anything that is external. Anything that is not intrinsic and you know within us. Whatever you cannot honor, you cannot connect to. Hallelujah. And you should understand that honor is not a word of mouth. Sonship is not something we just say with our mouth. Hallelujah. Sonship is not something we just confess with our mouth. Sonship is by work. Say by work. Hallelujah. Say, sonship has proofs. Say it again. Sonship has proofs. Yeah. In manifesting sonship, you must honor the father's will 
the father's word, the father's name. Very important. You must learn to honor the father's will, the father's word, and the father's name. So how do we honor the father? Because if you don't know how to honor, you will only confess it with your mouth. Oh, I honor, I want to honor this. Normally in church, when we say we want to honor somebody, we clap for him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, we want to honor this man. We want to honor our papa. We want to honor our father in the Lord. How do we honor? Because the goal of honor is to connect to grace. Is to do what? Is to connect to grace. Because that is the deposit we need in our heavenly accounts. So that we can have tangible manifestations in our earthly account. So how do we properly honor in order to connect to the grace that abounds in our spiritual accounts? Number one, number one, as it regards to the saint word that the father comes with. The saint word, the father in engaging grace, the first thing he comes with is the saint word. How do we honor the father in relation to the saint word? Number one, a son obeys the father in the Lord. So the saint word must be obeyed. Say the saint word must be obeyed. Hallelujah. A son obeys the father in the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Apostle Francis, be right back. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love to have you fellowship with us. You can locate us at the Shalom Motors Junction, Lashibi, of the Shaiman Nungwa Highway for a Sunday Glory Celebration Service at 8 a.m. Welcome back to the message. Hallelujah. Obey, say obey. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It is right in the sight of the Lord that children will obey their parents in the Lord. Hallelujah. Obey your parents in the Lord. Obedience is not just an outward conformation to instruction, but rather it is an attitude of the heart. Say it is an attitude of the heart. When the saint word comes, the saint word comes as a package of attractions so as to transition you into what God is saying you are. But you see, the saint word must be obeyed and this obedience we are talking about, we are not talking about the kind of obedience which only is proven in works. But we are talking about the obedience that comes from the positioning of the hearts. Hallelujah. You can obey in action, but be disobeying in hearts. How many of us have seen that? There was one guy, a king, his name was Amazia. In 2 Chronicles 25, verse 2, look at what he did. The Bible said, and Amazia says, 
and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Continue. So read it together, all of you. So you see, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. But the Bible said that he did not do it with a perfect heart. Hallelujah. He did not do it with a word. A perfect heart. The condition of the heart is the first requirement for obedience. Obedience is not just physical. Obedience is a heart matter. Praise the Lord. So how do you receive the sent word so as to engage grace you must set your heart. That's what last week we said. You must have affection, open heart, love for the saints man. Without a certain level of affection for the person, you may only obey just to conform. Maybe you don't want him to talk. Hallelujah. But the Bible says you can obey. It is right. But then it is not with a perfect heart. Hallelujah. See, listen to this thing. The act of obedience will exempt you from the punishment of disobedience. But it is the heart of obedience that gives you the reward of obedience. Did you get that? If you have obeyed, you are exempted from whatever punishment there is. But to be rewarded, God looks into the hearts to reward. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why some point people will come to God and say, oh, we did this, we did that, we healed, we went to preach, we did this. God said, depart from me. Hallelujah. The act of obedience will exempt you from the punishment of disobedience. But it is the heart of obedience that will attract and qualify you for the reward of obedience. So obedience is not just in the action, but is in the heart. Hallelujah. The action of obedience is only a result of the heart of obedience. Look at what the Bible said in Deuteronomy 27.10. The Bible said, Thou shalt therefore obey the voice of the Lord thy God, and then you will do what? And do his commandments. So you see, so first of all, he says, You will obey the voice first before you even do the commands. Hallelujah. You will obey the voice first. In 28, he says that thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord. So obeying the voice means that you hearken, you receive it in your heart. You accept it. You don't question it. Hallelujah. You don't weigh it, whether you should do it or not. One man of God said, partial obedience is equal to total disobedience. Says you will obey my voice and then you will do. So before the doing, there is first an obedience. That means that obedience is not really proven in the doing. It is proven in the receiving. Hallelujah. It is proven in the what? 
in the receiving he that receives a prophet in the name of the prophet he shall receive the prophet's reward so the reward is in the receiving not in the doing are you getting the point so the saint man the father in the lord he comes with the saint word what is your attitude towards the saint word number one we said it last week there must be an open heart there must be affection your heart must be turned towards the man you see how difficult it is to obey people you don't love (laughs) hallelujah so until there is affection for the father in the lord your obedience can never be complete your obedience can never be complete there are certain people they obey because we said it if somebody else said it they will not obey that means that it is not in their heart to obey i i I get the point hallelujah Obedience to instruction is the gateway to understanding. Hallelujah. One of the reasons why most of the times we only subscribe to the action of obedience and not the hearts of obedience is because we want to understand instructions before we do them. But understanding does not come before obedience understanding comes after obedience in proverbs chapter 4 verse 1 proverbs 4 1 it says here ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding so the instructions come first and subsequently, you receive what? Understanding. Hallelujah. You don't need, you know, like God says, thou shalt not steal. You know, people say we don't live by the Ten Commandments anymore because we are under grace. It is simple. Thou shalt not what? There is no exemption from this one. You don't need any explanation before you decide to obey. But when you begin to obey, now you begin to understand why you should not see. Hallelujah. He says that they hear the instruction of your father. Hacking. Obey. And then you will know what? Understanding. And then you will know what? Understanding. There are certain instructions that will communicate and translate grace into your account but they are instructions that you might have to shut your mind from trying to process because you see sometimes eh, what you will end up doing is that you will end up only negotiating the grace that must enter your spiritual account hallelujah Obedience to the instruction of a father. And you know, there are some people, sons in the Lord, who would want to exchange the place of obedience to offerings. 
So they would want to give offering, but they would not want to obey. The administration of grace from the saint man begins with obeying the word he is carrying. Because he is where he is or he is what he is because of the word committed to him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Because of the word committed to him. You know, in, 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 in fitness in the word, we have been discussing that. Everything begins with receiving a word. It is called mandate. We are in this place because of a word that God has committed to me. We came together because of a word. Hallelujah. So the first place where you contact grace is your obedience, not your offering. Hallelujah. The first place where you contact grace is your obedience. Not your offering. Because the man of grace is a man sent from the Lord. And that obedience must be a total obedience. Say total obedience. Say complete obedience. In 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, Samuel said, Has the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Samuel was asking Saul. That day. Saul couldn't wait. He could not obey what his father in the Lord had instructed him. He, he could not obey. And when Samuel came, he said, do you think God has interest in offerings and sacrifices as compared to his interest in you obeying his voice? That means that if there is anything God will do first, he will have you obey him. Are you here with me? He will have you obey him. And he said, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is what? It's better. That means it, it does not mean that sacrifice is not necessary, but it says that among the two, obedience is better. I get my point. Among the two, obedience is better. There are some people who will go every length to have a seed to sow, but the easiest thing to obey, they will not obey. Hallelujah. They will go every length to sow a seed. But the easiest things to obey is difficult for them to obey. But I have news for you. To obey is better than to what? To sacrifice. To obey is better than to go hungry so that you will have an offering for the man of God. Praise God. Because before your offering comes, a word has reached you. You get it? You don't skip the word and want to come and give a seed. We are not talking about gimmicks and lotto here. We are talking about how grace can enter your life. Hallelujah. We are talking about how grace can become a part of your conversation in the heavens. We are talking about how grace, spiritual empowerment, can become a part, 
essential element of your life. Obedience. It says to obey is better than to sacrifice. That means that if you have those two to do, the first to do is to obey. You have no business sacrificing when you have not worked your heart into obedience. It won't benefit you. Hallelujah. It will what? It won't benefit you. You have no business sacrificing when you have not worked your heart into obedience. And by obedience, I mean complete obedience. Total obedience. Hallelujah. Obedience must be total. Obedience must be what? 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 21. Obedience must be total. It must be complete. It must not be partial. Says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect. And so this is Paul. He is charging his son Timothy. Hallelujah. Charge. Charge is, 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 a, is a more stronger form of command. I charge you. It is like an oath. I charge you before God, before the Lord Jesus and the elect angels. Thank God he didn't add the Holy Spirit. Because when you sin against the Father, he will forgive. <laughs> if he had summoned the Holy Spirit, I'm sure it would have been a death affair. For Timothy. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels. Hallelujah. You see, Paul is a loving father. Even in instructing with the highest of agency, he still had Timothy's welfare at heart. So he exempted the Holy Ghost. <laughs> because that would have been suicidal. Hallelujah. He says, that thou observe these things without preferring one before another. Don't choose. So, me, I can do this. I cannot do this one. I can do that one. I cannot do this one. It says, do not do this. Do not obey. It say, doing nothing by partiality. Say, obedience. Say, my obedience is total. Say it again, my obedience is total. So as a son of this house, as a daughter of this house, your obedience shouldn't be partial. Your obedience shouldn't be uh, 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 one, this one I can do it, this one I cannot do it. Uh, no, this one, I don't think I have the capacity to do this one. Hallelujah. Your obedience should be complete because it is only on that premise you can attain grace. Are you here with me? So for me, um, I'll, I'll give tithes, but I'll, I'll divide it and I'll, I'll take some to, uh, what do you call it, an orphanage, and I'll take some. Paul says, you don't prefer one before another. You don't do it partially. 
If you want to obey, obey. If you don't want to obey, don't obey. Because we are not dealing with him. The reason why a lot of people have become self-centered and they think, you see, most of the time, <laughs> most of the time, Jesus had to correct one guy. Most of the time, when we are coming before God or before the Father in the Lord with our substance, our mind is on what we are bringing. Hallelujah. Our mind is not on to whom we have come. So Jesus had to correct one guy when he went to pray with huge offering. Jesus said, forget about the offering. Leave it there and go and settle your matter and come back. Because you have not come. The issue here is not what you have come with. The issue here is to whom you have come. To whom what? Because that is what determines what you live with. Hallelujah. That determines what you live with. I am more interested in what you leave this place with, not what you come this place with. Is somebody getting what I'm talking about? When we stand on the altar of God, we are not looking at what you came with. We are looking at what you are going to live here with. That is why we teach you what we teach you and tell you what we tell you. Praise God. Hallelujah. It is not. Don't you, don't you think we can be doing fundraising and all those things here? Uh, Felicia, you think you can do that? Sometimes some of you are here. Right after church, we share the offering again to some of you. It is not about what you are bringing. It is about what you are leaving this place with. So Jesus said, leave it there and go and settle your matter. Because that one is the reason why you will not live here with anything. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you getting something here? So your obedience is not for your convenience. Your obedience is for your reward. Stop thinking about convenience. And keep thinking about the reward that comes from the obedience. So don't be too positive. Don't be choosing. So I will do this. I won't do this. I like this one. I can't. Uh, I mean, this one, I don't, I don't understand it. This one, I don't believe this thing. It works. So me, I will do this one. Look, if it has been instructed in the law, not every instruction comes from God anyway, but if it has been instructed in the law with verifiable proofs in the word of God, then it requires your total obedience. Say total obedience. Yeah. If that been instructed in the Lord, it requires your total obedience. Other than that, grace will elude you. Grace will not be resident in your account. Grace will not be available to you. Hallelujah. So total obedience is what allows you to receive grace, total obedience is what makes grace deposits available in your heavenly account. Say, my heavenly account is full of grace. Hallelujah. Total obedience. Your father in the Lord is a bundle of instructions. Somebody said somewhere, your father in the Lord is not here for it's, it's not to entertain you. He is not your friend. 
to understand you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He is not your friend to celebrate you. Sometimes we want our fathers in the Lord to be celebrating us. When we think we have achieved something, they only show up and they are giving you the next instruction for your next dimension. You say, ah, but this is my oldest now I've done. He didn't see it. He has seen it. But you see, he carries with him a blueprint. He looks at that one and he looks at you. And he sees that you are too far away from what he is seeing. He cannot stop to celebrate you. He is in a hurry to make you what you should be. But because you have no idea, you think what you have done, oh, this one is the best. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What if one of the things we must learn to enjoy, that's why last week I was saying, you need first of all that affection. With that, if you don't love me, Bishop, if I tell you certain things, you will struggle with it. You know, do you know that I've been saying this to some of you? Do you know that based on how I design my flow with everybody, there are things I tell them to do, there are things I don't tell other people to do. Because I know that there are certain instructions if I give you, it will only make you disobedient. And I don't intend to make you disobedient, so I will be quiet on that one. I hope you get what I'm saying. There are some people, there are some sons, I can instruct them about almost anything, and I know they will do it. There are others, when I tell them, I know they will go and think about it and eventually do it. There are others, when I tell them, they will go and think about it and do it partially. There are others who think and not do. There are others who will tell me right there they can't do. It's degrees. Hallelujah. So I walk with everything. So sometimes, you see, sometimes when you are working with me, you, you, you can think, ah, but I have been with Papa all this while, from, this, from the whole of morning. And we had to meet somebody else and he told that person to do something you think I should have told you. The reason I didn't tell you is because I don't want to push you in a corner where you will be a bad person. Sometimes it is good for you. Hallelujah. Because that other person I must say, do this, do that. When I meet him and I shout on him, he will smile and still do it. You, when I shout on you, you won't come to church for two weeks. So I would rather keep quiet and just enjoy a certain level of relationship with you until I meet that other person who will not only do it but can also contain the rebuke. I hope you see how it works. Hallelujah. So you must hunt the level of your openness and affection will determine how easy your obedience will be. How how easy your what? Your obedience will be. I remember just last week, one of my sons had sent money to book a hotel for a wedding. When they told me, I said, I called him, say, hey, the hotel is canceled. You are going to use your money to buy fuel. He said, yes, Papa. He came and he had to go and lodge somewhere. But if it was somebody else, I wouldn't do that. Because there are some people you know that no matter how inconvenient the instruction is, they are ready to obey. There are others they can only obey instructions that are convenient to them. 
they have not come to that place where they count their inconvenience as a joy and as an advantage in the economy of Greece. They have not come there yet. It is growth. Hallelujah. You must learn to perfect yourself as a son. We have sons, we call them the perfected sons. You have gone through every possible event that should take them away. And they are still there with you and they have perfected themselves to stand with you. And they become partakers of the grace that is resident upon a man and resident in the place. I pray for somebody. May the grace of God be deposited into your heavenly accounts. May your obedience be fulfilled in every aspect of your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Number two. Wow, it's almost ten. Proofs of sonship. Number two. With respect to kingdom assignments. The son is like-minded as the father. And serves with him in the household of God. Say it with me, the son. Let's add the daughter. Say the daughter is like-minded as the father and serves with him in the household. Hallelujah. One of the proofs of sonship is the fact that one of the proof of sonship is the fact please be here be here one of the proof of sonship is the fact that the son is like minded they think alike they do what they think in the same dimension they think with the same frequency hallelujah they think alike. Philippians chapter 2 verse 20 to 22. Here is Paul talking to the people or the church in Philippi. And Paul at a point he had gotten to a place in the ministry where making selection was difficult for him. You know? And for every father in the Lord or for every man of God there is a point where you will have to make or you will have to select few out of the many. Okay. So here's what was happening. Paul needed to send some people to Philippi or somebody to Philippi and he chose to send Timothy. And here was his reason. He says, for I have no man like-minded. I have nobody who thinks like me. Hallelujah. You see, the issue of sonship is a very dangerous and very sensitive matter. Amen. And you see, the kingdom of God can never move or advance with solitary individuals. It has never worked that way. He says, I have nobody like-minded who will naturally, that means that, you see, not, that means that the, the state of like-mindedness has gotten to the point where it has become natural.
it is not artificial it's not it's not uh, uh, cosmetic hallelujah it is not like uh, makeup where people can make their face to look like something only waiting for water and then we will see who they really are hallelujah since i have nobody like-minded who will naturally care for you so paul was trying to you know he was hyping he was talking about timothy what he was trying to say is that timothy is the only one i can find who has become naturally like me who talks like me thinks like me walks like me dresses like me does everything like me and for such a one i want to give an assignment hallelujah for such a one i want to give an assignment look let me tell you maybe you might have observed i hardly appoint people to do things you think as we are here if we can set up teams we need this we need that we need that appointment in the household of the father is a privilege and a sign that you have been accepted apostle francis be right back we hope you enjoyed this message we would love to have you fellowship with us you can locate us at the shalom motors junction Lashibi, of the shaiman nungwa highway for a sunday glory celebration service at 8 a.m Welcome back to the message. Hallelujah. It is a privilege because for Paul to have appointed Timothy and assigned him because that is what a father that has been sent by God carries only three things. I have, I did not come here with cars. I didn't come here with houses to come and share. Hallelujah. I did not come here with money to come and share. If I had money, I will come with bag one day. I look at your face, I'll give you, you, I'll give you uh, 50,000, you, I'll give you 100,000, I'll give you, 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 I'll give you 20,000. <laughs> Hallelujah. I did not come with money to share, but I came with a word from the Lord, a word that is going to make you what God has designed and ordained for you. I came with an assignment that is going to define your destiny and determine your relevance and your reward in the kingdom. And I came with a blessing. So we are jealous over who we give this to. Paul said, we do not cast swine. We do not cast pearl before the swine. It is not everybody we will preach this word to. It is not everybody we will give this word to. We are not after reaching everybody because this word we will give account of it. Hallelujah. In the same way, the assignment that God has given to us, we are not just giving it to everybody. When we give it to you, it is a proof that you have been accepted. Paul said, I have nobody like-minded who will naturally care for your estate. I have not seen anybody yet who naturally oppressed like me for me to give him this noble work and this noble task. 21, he says, for all seek their own oh you know there are some sons they are with you but all they seek is their own the level of commitment you see in them doing their own thing they will give you only 10% when you assign them to something hallelujah 
the level of commitment you will see in them going about their own business, they will only give you 20 if you assign them. For all sick, that means that Paul has been watching them. Paul had a lot of people. He had been watching them. These people don't live. They, they seek their own. You know, there are some sons saying, the best place they can be is to be with you. It is dangerous to send them on their own. Hallelujah. It is what? Dangerous to send them on their own. In some of the bigger churches, when, when you are a pastor, a branch pastor or something, and then you mess up, they bring you to the uh, headquarters and you'll be doing opening prayer. You'll be doing opening prayer. You are gifted. The, the man can even give you the mic to prophesy. But for him to say, go and pastor this church, lah. Because that one requires more than somebody who only seeks his own. Hallelujah. For all of them seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ, but you know the proof of him, the him is Timothy. He was telling them, but all of you, you know this guy. You know, you know that he has a proof. That as a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. As a son with the father. So for you to excel in the assignment that is given or committed to you, which become the platform on which you, you administer, you engage the grace on the man, you must be like-minded. You must be what? Like-minded. You must be what? Like-minded. I used to tell all of the leaders that, no, in the community churches, I am not coming to give you a message to preach. Because when I do that, I am not making you a son. I want to see the proof of your sonship in what you even preach. Like-minded. Hallelujah. One day you'll be there and I'll just come there and I'll be, I'll be listening. Say, hey, okay, so this is what you are preaching. Now I know where you belong. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'll just show up. Because I believe that room should be given for sons to prove themselves. Room should be given for sons to determine their place with you. Are you with me? Because as a father, for me, I am administering grace. Hallelujah. I know that there can be obedience without a perfect heart. So I won't force you. Don't forget what I told you. The act of obedience exempts you from the punishment of disobedience. But it is the heart of obedience that qualifies you for the reward of obedience. Hallelujah. So like-minded, where we think on the same level, where we see things the same way, a son or a daughter does not have a mind of his own, but rather he is joined to the father in the Lord in the same mindset and speak of the same thing. There are some sons who always have their own opinion over what the father sees. They always have their own opinion. When you do that, you disconnect from grace. Hallelujah. Are you here with me? You disconnect from grace. For grace to abound in your spiritual account so that you will be able to convert them into physical, material 
blessing. You must learn to be like-minded. Say like-minded. So say it again, like-minded. In Romans chapter 12, verse 16, it says, be of the same mind one or another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estates. Be not wise in your own conceits. He said, even amongst yourself, be of the same mind. So until we come to that place where the mindset of the Father in the Lord is now the mindset of the people, the flow of grace will be a slow one. Will be slow. Hallelujah. See, when we get to that point as a church where the mindset is the same mind that is in everybody, when we come together, the flow of grace is automatic. Hallelujah. You don't need me laying hand on you. When we come together, you know the Bible said in Psalm 133, says that how pleasant it is when we come together. It says when we come together, it is like the precious ointment which is poured on the head, runs down through the beard and into the skirts of his garment. So what activates the flow is our togetherness. It's our what? Togetherness. It's our togetherness. Until we are together with one mind. In Acts chapter 2 verse 1. By the time before the Holy Ghost will come upon the people in the upper room. The Bible said that they were together with one accord. They were together with what? One accord. Until what I am thinking is what you are thinking. Until you, we all have one opinion. We all have one definition. We all have one standpoint and point of view. Until we are there. The flow of will be truncated and cut. The flow of grace will come in measures. You know, most of the time, we, we, we only dwell or we rely on atmosphere before grace will flow. But atmosphere is the secondary provision. The fundamental requirement for grace to flow is our oneness, our unity, our one mind, one spirit, our, 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 what do you call it? Our thinking in the same way, in the same pattern, walking in the ways of the Father. Hallelujah. Is somebody here with me? One mind, say one mind. Say one mind. Hallelujah. In Philippians 1.27, it says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, in one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul said, whether I come to you or I do not come to you, I want to hear one testimony from you, that you stand together with one spirit, you stand together with one mind, and you strive together for the faith of the gospel. Because that is the only time Grace abounds to a people. I pray that grace will abound to everybody here. May grace abound even to this house in the name of Jesus Christ. One thing with walking in the same mind with the Father in the law is that, you see, like-mindedness requires 
Strict followership requires what? Strict followership. It requires what? Strict followership. Strict what? Followership. Like-mindedness require strict followership. If you don't follow strictly, you cannot think in the same way. Following strictly, the Bible said in Matthew 4, 19, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. So the making of a people is not in fact that they are present. It is in the fact that they are following. They are what? Following. Let me just use a simple analogy. Uh, let's say Felicia. Right now that we are here, you are sitting. But I am the one doing the movement. That also. So as you are here, physically speaking, you are not following. You are only observing. But if I say follow, that means you will get up. And when I go here, you will do what? You will follow. When I go out, you will do what? So to follow, it means that you must take the man or take your father out of the meeting place into your activities. You understand it? Uh, Felicia, do you get, do you get analogy? That means that we must go beyond coming to sit down to listen to taking the person with you. So following means that you are in the room, you are listening to him. You are reading from him. You are on the, on the road walking or picking a car. You are listening to him. You are in the workplace. You surround. You have integrated the person into your activity. Hallelujah. That is the only way because when you do that, what happens is that you are recreating and reconstructing your mind. Hallelujah. You are reconstructing your mindset. Do you know the reason why you think the way you think? Because the major part of your day is spent listening to Adam FM, CTFM, Angel FM. So your mind is according to what they do and what they see. Do you know why you see relationship the way you see? Because you are listening to or you are watching uh, what nowadays I don't know what which one is showing now. What? Ekumama Mazimbi. Uh-huh. Some are watching Agatha. Some are watching something. Uh, uh, Bernice. Bernice. <laughs> Hallelujah. So in actual sense, what are you following? You are following those. For some of us, you only observe us. But what you really follow is what you consistently listen and what you consistently watch. Hallelujah. What you consistently listen and what you consistently watch is what you are following. Don't deceive yourself. If you don't know, you don't know. But I'm telling you, what you consistently listen, what you consistently watch is what you are following. No matter what, whether you like it or not, some of you are following Shatawali. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh-huh. For life is for life. If you follow, what you follow, somebody said what you follow will determine what follows you. What you follow will become the prevailing major characteristic of what you are becoming. 
you get it? For whatever you will become, the major characteristic will be a proof or a reflection of what you have been following. Hallelujah. It's like eating fat. When you eat fat, eat, 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 with time, you will see it in what you have become. Hallelujah. You will see it in what? In what you have become. Even though when we cut you open, we will not see the banku, but we will see what you have become because of the banku. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So Paul said to the people of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 4.16, he says, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Paul was begging them that, hey, I pray for you. I want Christ in you. I want something to happen to your life. So because of that, I am begging you, follow us. Because without following, you cannot become what we are saying. Hallelujah. Without following, we can prophesy it. We can pray it. But if you don't follow, you cannot become it. I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Hallelujah. Elisha followed Elijah. We saw what happened to him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Following also means that you must imitate your father in the Lord. So I've said two things. I said following is consistently listening, consistently watching. Number two, following is imitation. Imitation is the greatest expression of following. Imitation. Hallelujah. Imitation. It is the greatest expression of what? Following. Do you know sometimes what baffles me? You go into the world, eh? people follow all forms or all kinds of things and they are not ashamed. Hallelujah. They follow all kinds of things. Somebody can even travel eh, to, let's say, uh, Argentina. But you will pick a plane and do a transit in U.S. That two hours transit in U.S., by the time he comes back, he's speaking American English. Hallelujah. We followed it. What are we doing? We are imitating what we have been following. But there is no shame. People want to dress in a particular way and they don't care. They don't owe anybody any explanation. Nobody, people are dressing. You know, you want, you want to watch some of the youth, the yo-yo people. Some are dressing like uh, uh, these foreign singers. Hip-hop people, they will dress. And they are happy doing it. Hallelujah. They are happy. You can see somebody in his car. You meet him and say, hey, yo, what's up? Everybody imitates something they follow. But when you come to church, there is something God has given to us. God has given us men of grace who are examples, who are showpieces message to a generation. But to follow a lot few shy. To imitate. Hallelujah. To do what? To, there is no shame in imitation. Praise God. You say, I want to be original. I want to be original. I want to be original. And it is only in church people who tell people, be original. But the world doesn't care about being original. They are becoming what they see. And they are happy being it. Somebody can go and 
buy dress. So this one, this dress, uh, uh, um, give me some of the names, some of the hip hop people. Uh, this dress, uh, uh, Kanye West, Kanye West, and the people will wear, and they are happy. It even becomes a social status. Hallelujah. It even becomes a social status. But some of you in church, if you take, for example, we were doing fitness in the world. I took Pastor Bear's book. I didn't have to do any notes. Who am I deceiving? I carried the book. I was using it to teach. If you think I don't know how to teach, I don't have a problem with you. Hallelujah. We are ashamed being like somebody. Amen. We are ashamed. What I have preached on Sunday, you to take the same thing, go and preach it. That one too is a problem. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you cannot imitate, you are not following. Hallelujah. If you cannot imitate, you are not doing what? You are not following. Imitation activates grace for you. Because Grace works with coding. It's like a computer language. Coding. Certain graces have been programmed to respond to certain things. Any other thing, it will not respond to it. Hallelujah. Any other thing, it will not respond. So, following is imitation. Copying. It is the mark of true sonship. The mark of true sonship. The mark of true what? True sonship. In Psalm 103, forgive me today. I want to finish this one. So forgive me. I'm going to take a lot of time. I hope we are fine. Are we okay? Yeah. In Psalm 103 verse 7, the Bible said, he made known, talking about Moses, God made known his ways to Moses. And then to the people of Israel, he made known his acts. What is the difference? The ways and the acts. The ways and the acts. To Moses, he made known his ways. To the people of Israel, he made known his acts. That means that Moses had a level of relationship with God that allowed him to understand the motives, the reasons, the principles behind what God does. That is the ways. But the people of Israel, because they did not have that relationship with God, they were only beneficiaries of his acts. One thing you must understand that ways are deeper than acts. Hallelujah. Ways are what? Deeper than acts. So in following, you are following not just the acts, but you are following the ways of a man. What are the ways? The ways are the inspired action that comes from the depth of the heart of that man. It is the internal engineering of God in a man that inspires his activities. Those are the ways. The divine, divine engineering. Hallelujah. So, for whatever a man does, for whatever your father in the Lord is doing, there is a kind of working inside of him that makes him what he, what he does. Hallelujah. 
that makes him take the steps that he takes. So to follow his ways, we are necessarily saying take the same steps. That is a superficial way of following because the same steps after some time will change. But we are talking about getting into the heart of the person to get to understand the mindset, to get to understand the principle that makes him that's what he does, to get to understand the motivations and, the, and then the expectations that pushes him to do the things that he does. The ways. Hallelujah. And look at how God, you know the Bible says, um, Adam. Adam means what? Adam means son of God. Hallelujah. So look at what Adam, in the book of Genesis chapter 2. In the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 2. says, and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam. Listen to this one. God brought every beast of the field. He brought every bird or every fowl of the air. He brought all of them to Adam. You know, imagine Adam sitting down and God is bringing all animals to him like that. <laughs> Hallelujah. All the animals, everybody was there. Oh. Amen. Male and female, male and female, male and female. Everybody was there. And then God brought all of those animals to him to name them. And look at what happened. The Bible said, and he brought them unto Adam to see. So God was testing him. To see what he would call them. And the Bible said, and whatsoever Adam. You know Adam? Do you know? Have you seen him before? (laughs) And whatsoever Adam called every living creature. That was the name thereof. So God brought all of them to see what Adam would call them. And then truthfully, Adam called all of them according to what God has already written concerning them and that was the highest proof of sonship adam gave the adam needed to qualify that particular test before god will bring him his own kind that's a revelation i have that's a small revelation for those who want to marry before god brought adam his kind he had to school adam in how to name his environment and how to order his environment how to create the environment necessary. And when Adam perfected himself, God said, aha, now there is no one. Because Adam could have decided to find companion in the animals. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about marriage today, don't worry. But God tested and Adam had to prove that he was indeed a son by getting to know what was written in the scrolls of God's heart concerning those animals. So that is how fatherhood is like. The level of like-mindedness, it is measured by the depth to which you can assess the mindset, the expectation, the intention of the father. Hallelujah. Are you getting me? So that means this, the level of grace is based on the level or how close you can get to functioning like the father. Because grace is not person specific. Grace is function specific. You understand that one? Hallelujah. Grace is not person specific. 
grace is functioned. So that means that when the grace that is on me, we put it on you. And you begin to do the same things that I am doing, not just in the acts, but also in the ways that grace will begin to work. Grace is not person specific. Grace is function specific. Hallelujah. Number three, let's end it with this one. Number three, quick one. Number three. So that I know that I am done with the administration of grace. Hallelujah. Then next week we are going to start talking about the principle. We talk about the treasury of the earth and then the principle of seed time and harvest and the various kinds of seeds as ordained by the Lord and how the principles governing each one of them. Hallelujah. But I'm going to make it compressed. I'm sure in about three or four parts will be done. By part 25 we are finished. We won't go beyond part 25. Hallelujah. Yeah, we won't go beyond part. We can get to part 25 and do session 1, session 2, session 3, session. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Alright. The son gives to the father in the Lord and his household. So, the son is like-minded with the father so as to engage the assignment. Do you see it? Are you here with me? Hallelujah. He is like-minded with the father so as to engage the what? The assignment. The son obeys the father so as to engage the word. Now, how do we engage the commanded blessing? When you read through the scriptures, okay, Anytime the Bible uses blessings, a blessing, that is indefinite, a blessing or blessings, it normally refers to the beseeching blessing. Hallelujah. Then there is another statement the Bible normally calls the blessing. The blessing. That is a specific one. So there is a particular kind of blessing. The Bible calls it the blessing. Hallelujah. The blessing. That is the commanded blessing. Hallelujah. And the prosperity of every man is connected to the blessing. Not a blessing. Hallelujah. It is connected to what? The blessing. Can I hear you? It's connected to what? The blessing. Now, the son in connecting to the grace to enrich his spiritual account with God, he must learn or she must learn to give to the father and then to the household. It is a requirement. Hallelujah. It is a requirement for a son to give to his father in the Lord as a connection principle into his room and into his ways. Into his room and into his ways. And one of the ways of honoring the father in his household is by bringing worthy offerings before him as a proof of love and honor, which is a foundational principle to walk in your spiritual inheritance. Hallelujah. On the platform of giving, 
we engage our spiritual inheritance. And I told you, the foundational principle to the prosperity of the saints is our spiritual world. Inheritance. How many of us remember that one? It's our spiritual inheritance. Our spiritual inheritance. Extremely important. Our spiritual inheritance. So the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, listen to me very well. Galatians says, it says, let him that is taught in the word, hmm. let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. Let him that is given the sent word, let him also give unto the one that brings the sent word. That's what the Bible is saying. Hallelujah. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. The same thing is spoken of in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 11. It says, If we have sown unto you spiritual things, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, if we have given to you spiritual elements and spiritual stuff, spiritual blessings, is this is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal or your natural things? Hallelujah. So this is what Paul is saying. That the one that receives the spiritual flow, he is the one that must also retain it with a natural flow. Hallelujah. The one that receives the spiritual, he is the one that must also give the natural. Are you here with me? It is a foundational principle to be able to walk in that dimension of grace which releases the commanded blessing. Hallelujah. To the point that, look, even in the culture of Israel, in the olden days, it was an institution. It was a cultural principle. The children of Israel were taught that you never go into the presence of the priest or the king or the man of God or the prophet without anything in your hands. Hallelujah. And, and I like how the Orthodox churches practice this very well. They practice, you know, though sometimes it is done with little understanding, but the principle is still the same. The people in Israel were taught never to appear before the man of God or the prophet or the king empty-handed. Let's look at what happened with Saul. When Saul was looking for his father's donkeys. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, from the verse 68, 1 Samuel 9, 6 to 8, are we here? He said, and he said unto him, behold, so when, that, that is when they were looking for the missing donkeys, and then one of the servants of Saul spoke to him that there is a prophet in the city. You can go and see him, and 
peradventure he will be able to tell us where the donkeys are. So he said, and he said unto him, Behold, now there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man, and that he saith, and, and all that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither. Peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. Seven. Then Saul said to his servants, Are you listening? But behold, if we go, what shall we bring to the man? For the bread is spent in our vessel, and there is not a present to bring to the man of God what we have. What have we? So this is Saul. Saul understood the principle. The servant, let's go to the man of God. Paul said, Saul said, but the bread we have eaten it, and the money too we have spent. So if we go, what are we sending? They understood that you do not approach the man of grace with nothing. Because, you know, I told you of the other people, the Greece, who also believed that when you enter a particular place where the man of grace stays, they take clothes to rub on the walls. And they believe that when they do that, they carry a portion of that place with them. That is the principle. But the principle is that everything is about dispensing. It's about administration. It is about the fact that what is resident in this place should also become what is here. Hallelujah. And that is what they all believe. And that is how God works. So they believe that when they meet the man of God, there should be something they will do so that when they walk away, they walk away not alone. Like I said, it is not what you come with. It is what you go away with. Hallelujah. So, and Saul understood this. And look at what the servant said in the verse 8. And the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here at hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver that will I give to the man of God to tell us our way. This was the least. But you see, even the servant was willing. The master has spent everything. You know, it's like following your man of God. The, the master has spent everything. There is nothing. But because the principle must be adhered, even the servant was willing to give the least that he had, a quarter of a shekel. Do you know that value? A quarter of a shekel. Hallelujah. He says that I have this little thing. We can still go and we will give it to him. Are you here with me? This is even in the olden days, they understood this principle. But look at this thing. In the household of grace, we do not do such with the mindset of coming to buy of the grace that is resident. No. Hallelujah. Look, and I was telling a friend of mine that I believe, this is not scriptural, but it is just my own analogy. I believe that when you are not a son or a daughter of the house, a stranger coming from outside must pay for the grace. Hallelujah. Do you agree with me? Because the son or the daughter of the house, God has ordained obligatory offerings that allows him access to the grace. Do you understand that? 
But for the one who does not belong to the house, who is not giving any offering, who is not paying any tithe, who is not doing anything to the household, like Saul, he must question himself, when I go, what, I am, what am I going with? That is why you go to some of those prophetic churches. By the time you see the man of God, you, you will pay. Hallelujah. And the reason why they do that is because the, the truth is that those guys don't have any members. They don't have any household. They don't have members. They only have visitors from all, I mean, you know it. Some are from Anglican, some are from uh, this state, some are from uh, 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 Mozambique, Disco Christo Church, some are from Pentecost. Everybody goes home. They don't have a household. They don't have people who subscribe to say, this is my father, this is my house. That is why they settle for pay and see me. Hallelujah. We do not do such because we have not been sent to exchange land. We have been sent to raise unto God a household. And as a member of the household, the same principle works. There are things that God has ordained that you should do by obligation. By what? Obligation. As your standard of access into the grace. Let's read some few scriptures and end it. Hallelujah. <laughs> In the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verse 104, we see our father Abraham. The Bible said we should walk in his steps. When he met Melchizedek, he knew that this is not an ordinary person. And he understood the spiritual principle. Hallelujah. He what? He understood the spiritual principle. Melchizedek came the very first time the communion is administered to a human being. Before Jesus would die, before his blood would be shed, Abraham knew that no, this is not, this is not anything normal. And his response was to sow into that man. Hallelujah. His response, that was his natural response. He understood that there is a way to connect into this grace and to have it flowing into my spiritual accounts. That is how come Abraham became the father of the new creation. Even before, way before the law was given. Way before the prophecy of the son of God will come. Hallelujah. Way before. Praise God. Hallelujah. Way before you will get Isaac. He did this and he connected himself automatically to the program and the plan of God. Hallelujah. Last scripture. Last scripture. Let's, let's just read the last scripture and then, and then we move. Amen. <laughs> In Ezekiel 44 verse 30, let's jump. I want to jump. So as we sit in the household of God, as we sit under the Father in the Lord, the economy of the grace of God is not just in the sent word, but it is also in the assignment that is given to us. And then it is also in the commanded blessing. And God gives us certain ordinances that we engage in order to activate the blessing. Say the blessing. 
He said, and the first of all the first fruits of all things, and every oblation of all, of every sort of your oblation, shall be to the priest. Ye shall also give unto the priest the first of your dough, that who? The priest may cause the blessing to rest in your house. Hallelujah. So that the priest will cause, not God. It is the priest that will determine. God gives the grace. It is the priest that administers the grace. Hallelujah. You know, it is like Ghana Health Service. Sometimes an NGO can give them drugs. But the nurses will determine who will get some and who will not get some. Also, sometimes they will pocket the thing. When they see you don't have money, they won't give it to you. When they see you came to pack correct car, then they will bring out the medicine. This one is so this, 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 and they will give it to you. The administration of what God has provided is handed over to the priest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Proverbs 10 22 says that it is the blessing that made it. And added no sorrow. It is the blessing. But look, you see, the commanded blessing does not only speak to a man. The commanded blessing also affects a house. So when you come into the household of God and you engage the grace by giving to the household or the father in the Lord, not only are you activating blessing on your part, you are also activating blessing on your house. Hallelujah. He said they should bring it to the priest and then the priest will cause the blessing to rest. The blessing to rest. The blessing to settle. Say settle. The blessing to settle. You know, some of you have been praying, you have been desiring, you have been you have been confessing. But look, for there to be a settlement of the blessing, the priest must stand to speak. The priest must stand to command the blessing. That is why it is called a commanded blessing. When the blessing is not commanded, it does not settle. But I pray for somebody, may the blessing of the Lord settle upon your household. May the blessing of the Lord settle upon your household. Karabashataya, the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord. For more information, follow the man of God on Facebook at Glory Life City Church or visit our website on www.glorylifecity.church.